Well, I wanted to share something with you this morning because this is something that the Lord shared with me and I, I really believe, uh, I believe that it's, it, it's authentic, you judge it. But um, these words came to me uh, this morning. The fallenness of this world is a reminder to us that we are strangers here. The brokenness of the world reminds us that our, de uh, that our desire is not here because here is only temporary. And, you, you, you know, we, when we see the things in the world that are fallen and broken, if you look at the news, you'll be depressed. I know because I've been looking at the news and been a little bit depressed by it. But, you, you know, when you just look at things that are happening, I mean, it's like everywhere is getting worse. You know, every, nothing seems to be getting better. It only seems to be one trial to the next. There's sicknesses going around. And, it, you know, even in the news, I think last week and this week, both they're like, uh, you, know, they're, the, you know, the CDC warns about this new potential virus or there's this new things springing up over here or this thing that was gone is coming back and you know all these things and I, and I don't know if it's just my perception but it seems like people have been getting sick more and it's been lasting longer and not just here but all over the place you know uh, it's just been happening everywhere and you, you know and and uh, I'm pondering these things and I wasn't just thinking about those things but I believe the Lord showed me that this morning that you know we, we see the brokenness of the world and so often it can tend to affect us because we get so focused on the world. But the truth of the matter is, is the Bible, Bible teaches us that we are strangers. In fact, I want to bring up a scripture. It's Hebrews eleven thirteen. Praise the Lord. I wasn't planning on this, so it, it, it doesn't uh, uh, necessarily, uh, they weren't ready for it back there, but they pulled up quickly. Um, speaking about the people of faith, it said, all these died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Brothers and sisters, as believers, we are strangers and exiles on the earth. We're only here for a limited time, but this is not our destination. This is not what we're working for. We're not working for this earth. And so the woes and the trials of this earth are temporal. These are things that we deal with here, but they are a reminder to us sometimes, that, and a good reminder. Why doesn't God just fix everything? Because we have to realize that this isn't the, this isn't the end goal. If, if everything was just going to be great here, why would you ever want to leave it? Think about that. If everything was just always going to be wonderful right here, if you just had everything you ever wanted, you could live forever, you were never going to deal with sickness, you had all the money that you wanted, you could go do all the things that you wanted to do, you could eat the things you wanted to eat and not gain a pound. Think about all that. Wouldn't it be wonderful, right? All these, you know, you have as many Christmas cookies as you want and not one pound would be gained by, uh, praise the Lord. What a wonderful world that would be, right? Uh, but, but all of that would draw us into wanting to stay. And we're not supposed to want to stay. I know that's a shock, right? But we're not supposed to want to stay here forever. This world is not meant forever. Not this world that exists. So the world that you see with trial and suffering is not the world, by the way, that God created. Because God didn't create it in trial and suffering. But that's the world that it became through sin and, and things like that. We understand that. But this world is also not going to be the fullness of what it's going to be until Jesus comes back. Throws the, throws the devil in hell, right, permanently, locks him up, praise the Lord, and uh, uh, defeats death. Because when he comes back, he's going to defeat death. And when he defeats death, death will have no more reign over us. Amen? It's nothing that we'll even think about anymore. So just think about that. When you, if you tend to get frustrated by the world or the things that are happening in the world, just remember, it's just a reminder it's just a reminder to you that there's something better that God has for us looking forward. Amen? And I know that takes faith. It takes faith to trust that. 
It takes faith to say, hey, I only have one life to live, but this life is only temporal, and so I'm going to live it for him. That takes faith, and that's how we disconnect from the world, is that we can look at it and say, it's just a fallen world. It's not, it's not perfect, and God want what God has for us is much better. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, I'm glad you're excited about that. Today, uh, we are going on to part seven of, I think we're in part seven, part seven of Christianity 101. And and uh, I, I, I didn't plan on this. I actually thought I was going to go a different direction this week. But as it turns out, this is the direction that we that the Lord directed me on uh, uh, this weekend for uh, or for this weekend. And so um, I, I am quite excited about it because there's some good stuff for us to get. But today we're going to be talking about living a repentant life. Amen. Christianity 101, basics of Christianity, and that's what this whole series has been about. You know, it's so funny because when I started this, I was not a series guy. I had it all I could do to get one, one service per week, and, and I still typically work. I don't always know what services I'm going to preach later on, but the, uh, the fact that I can continue going on and on is just a testament to what God is doing. Amen. But he really, I really believe that the Lord wants to get over to us this, this idea of the basic ideas of Christianity, and so I don't want you to in this time period to like you know to get bored with it or whatever because if we get these things right everything else flows out of this and all these things are imperative for us to learn and so as long as I go on with it I I, I would love to see I don't know if this will happen but I would love to see a 20 or 30 week series would that be just awesome I mean and what I mean by that is wouldn't it be just awesome for 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 the Lord to do something that's completely out of the box maybe not to you maybe you're just like oh, I wish we'd get on with something else but but praise the Lord. Um, this is the way that it seems to flow. But the basics of Christianity, um, it's time. God is doing something special on the earth. I believe this with all my heart. Uh, as we look around, I believe this with all my heart that God is doing something special on the earth. But in order to do something special in us, he also has to get us to a certain place. Amen. God, you know, God can do it all without us. He doesn't need us to accomplish anything. He chooses us and chooses to use us to accomplish his will. That's why it looks the way that it does. It's not because God's imperfect. It's because he has chosen imperfect vessels to be used to glorify him. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. And if we even understood the, 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 the not even the depths of that, but we understood the little bits of that, we, we would be so blessed. But, but sometimes even that's hard to understand. Amen? But Christi Christianity 101 and we're talking about living a repentant life. And, and I know last week I, I had, um, uh, praise the Lord, I had left off, I kind of, because I was talking about a sound mind and I thought maybe I was going to pick it back up this week. And it seemed like, it seemed good not to do that. But one of the scriptures I didn't get to go to that I really wanted to was the story in Luke about the, the madman of Gadara. And I just want to touch on that briefly. Uh, what I was getting to is it talks about this man in quite, uh, quite a lot of detail in, in, in Luke. So you look it up and, uh, and just go read it yourself. Uh, but, but it talks about uh, quite a lot of detail in Luke about him. And it talks about all the things that were wrong. But I love at the end of the story or towards the end of that, that account, it says that when he, he was found in his right mind. I love that. See, that's what the Lord did with him. He put him in his right mind. Amen. And that's what the teaching of the gospel should do. That's what the presence of God will do is drive out uh, and, and drive us into right thinking. Amen. And so that was just to round up that whole idea of sound thinking and the importance of it. But today, as I said, we're getting to a repentant life. So turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 9, verse 23. Praise the Lord. 
Luke 9, 23 through 25. Praise God. Hallelujah. And it says, And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Well, you know, it's just it's such a sobering, uh, sobering set of scriptures. I'm sure that most everybody in here has, has heard at some point, especially if you've been in this church, I know you've heard them, you know, but we've heard these scriptures. But, but, but Jesus is really bringing about this, is, and this is such a great uh, idea for this idea of repentance life, or, or scripture for the idea of repentant life, or living a repentant life. Because of what the what, what because of what the Lord calls us to, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Yeah. You know, it's not uh, it, it's not uh, an option. It's not like okay, you can partially deny yourself and come after me and still expect to get there. Right. I know this is going to be real exciting today, right? This is going to be something that we really love to hear. But the truth of the matter is, is this is the truth of the matter. Yeah. Amen. That that if we want to follow after God, if we want to if we want to know the 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 God's righteousness, we want to follow his life, if we want to uh, partake of his salvation, we want to be influenced and influxed with his his presence and and we want to have those testimonies and those miracles and we want to see our prayers answered and we want to uh, you know live what we consider a godly life. The first step of living a godly life is denying yourself. It's the first step of it. And, and, and going forward, of course, to take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, now, in the context of this, Jesus wasn't saying again, and we have to, I have to put this out there because, you know, there's always those people that will, that will take things a little bit too far, what we say. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy life. I'm not saying that you can't have moments in life where, uh, you, you know, and good things in life and stuff like that. Of course, God wants us to have those things. He's not an evil father. He, he wants to bless us. He wants to, to, to help us. He wants to see us through. But, but more importantly, God wants us to learn about this connection with him, which only comes through denying us. If we won't deny ourselves, if we won't, if, if we just insist on living our own life, and I'm talking, brothers and sisters, primarily in here today, I am talking to believers. I don't, I look out there, I don't see anybody who's not a believer. Everybody in here has confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Yes, amen. This is written to us. It's written to us. Of course, it's written to those who are coming in too, but it's written to us. You know, recently I was talking about, uh, I was talking to some friends and we, I was talking about how I do, uh, I do uh, funerals a little bit different than I used to. I even do salvation calls a little bit differently than I used to. And, and one of the things that I, I do is I don't just present a, a prayer for people to pray. I don't do that because unless people understand what they're getting into, they can't sign up for it. And you can't get people saved just by having them pray a prayer. Being saved means living a repentant life. It means to deny yourself. It means to, to repentance is not, it, it means to turn away from the, uh, the old and turn to the new. It means to recognize the, the failure of the old and look to the new. Yeah. 
Amen? That's what it means to be repentant. And so repentance is not something that we do once. It's something that we do daily. This is how we pick up our cross daily. We, we repent. Lord, I realize that what I was doing or what I have been doing in this area or that area, I realize that that is not effective. That isn't growing me closer to you. In fact, maybe this is something that's pulling me away from you. And so I need to, I need to put that down and I see that, Lord. That's being repentant. Being repentant isn't like, oh, okay, now I got fire insurance so I don't go to hell and now I just go on and live in the way I want to. That is not called repentance and that is not called salvation. And so many people have made salvation about that. Well, just, just if you just get them to pray a prayer, just pray a prayer with me. Listen, praying a prayer doesn't mean anything if it's not backed with, with, with actions. If you, you can say all day long, you can give God all the lip service you want, you can say you believe. But if your belief doesn't produce change, you don't believe. Because if you did believe, you would change. Now, when I say change, it doesn't mean you're going to change overnight. It doesn't mean that everything right now is going to be uh, instantly new. I know the Bible says that all things are made new, but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden, instantly, everything changes and you're perfect. But a lot has changed, amen? And we have to understand that, that God is taking us through this process. In fact, one of the things about this life that we know now, now this wasn't the way that God designed it, but what God has brought us into, part of the process of this life is learning about him and learning about this relationship. That's why Christians who, or people, uh, or I should say people that, that pray a prayer and get saved, but then they don't ever produce anything in life, you, you have to question that because they're not growing any closer to the Lord. And if you don't have any more of a walk with the Lord than you did before you got saved, before you prayed a prayer, then what difference does it make? You haven't changed. And that's not repentance. And that's not what God has called us to. And so it's important for us to not just define these terms, but to understand these things and know what God means by salvation. Salvation doesn't just mean that, you, that, that he saved you. Because here's the, here's the thing. If you go on as a Christian a supposed Christian, living just like the world lives, then, then God would be unjust for saving you and not the rest of the world that's living like you live. Do you understand? If you're, just, if you're just embracing the sin and running after it and not denying yourself and learning what that means, denying ourselves is not, you know, it's not this idea of, of self-flagellation. Is that the right word? I hope it is. I hope it's not a bad word, but it sounded like it fit there. You know, self, uh, self-hurt, self-destruction. That's not, what, that's not what denying yourself is. You know, when, when you fast, or if you, if you fast, for example, fasting was not meant about starving yourself. It's, it's, about, it's about denying yourself something that you want to produce in you something that's better, to produce in you awareness that's better. It doesn't change God, it changes you. And so the same idea is whatever we do in life, when we, when we do the hard things, so to speak, that God has called us to. See, we, we've, we've grown accustomed because we live in a society that doesn't like the hard things. We want to make everything easier, right? We want to make, if we can just make everything simple and easygoing, then, then that's great. But that's not what God has for us. That's not the way he designed, that's not the way he designed us. He designed us with the ability to increase through hard work, through pressing through, 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 through these means. He's given us this, this ability to do this, to overcome. Yeah. He hasn't just made us overcomers. He gives us the ability to overcome. Yeah. If you don't have something to overcome, you can't overcome. Right? right? Praise the Lord. You know, when you're a baby, when you're born as a baby, anyone here born as a baby? Yeah. 
Think, okay, we got a few. Praise the Lord, and that's good. So we were born as babies, right? What happens when you came out? Well, you didn't just get up and run the first marathon. No? You couldn't just, you couldn't just sit down and write a, write a book or anything else. Well, you had, to go through, you had to go through learning. You had to go through teaching. You had to go through uh, instruction. And you had to go through sometimes opposition. I remember when I was a kid, we had this thing in school called writing. You know, you have the pen or a pencil, and, and you wrote, right? Yeah. And kids don't have that anymore. We don't have that anymore. And I remember it was just a few years ago, I, went to, I decided I wanted to start writing some things down. It had been a long time since I wrote, and I wanted to start writing some things down. So I went to start doing that. And I'm, I'm like writing, and I, I get a paragraph in it, and I'm like, my hand is so cramped up. I can't, I can't go any further. And I'm like, how did I do this for so long? I'm looking at this, you know, this, this hand that used to write. Well, listen, without that work, it wouldn't have ever gotten, you know, because the reason I could do it before was because we spent years in school learning to do it. You know, it was, and there was, there was uh, uh, strength that was built, and that was just a little opposition, right? Little weightlifting, using a pencil. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But it, it, it enabled me to do something that now is much harder for me to do because I'm more doing this than I am doing this, Right? And, and I'm not saying this is wrong. I mean, now I got really strong thumbs. Just watch out, you know? Don't get my way. I'll, I'll just tear it up. Praise the Lord. But, but, uh, uh, but, but the, the idea is, is that we increase as we go. As, as a baby, you know, uh, starts building the strength from kicking nonstop. And that's what they do, right? Arms and legs are just going all over the place all the time, right? They don't have any purpose, rhyme or reason to them. But then all of a sudden, one time, the baby starts like trying to stand up, and they try to stand up, and they try to stand up, and they don't get it uh, at first, but they start working at it, and then they keep working at it, and then what do they do? They build the strength in their legs, and then they build the motor skills and the ability to do so. But it's the same thing with trials in life. If we, if we look at this thing right, if we look understand the, the things that happen around us and to us, they're building us for something better when we know God's on our side. And this is what we have as believers. We know God is on our side. And so he's working things in us. He's working with us. He's, he's bringing us through to the other side. But it's a process that he takes us through, not a process that he takes us over. I love the 23rd Psalm. They're studying the 23rd Psalm in the, in the, in the women's group. Well, one of the things I love about it is that it talks about how he, he's with us in the valley of the shadow of death, right? He's there with us there. He doesn't, he doesn't make you skip over it. He walks you through it. And these are wonderful things, brothers and sisters. He's put things in us. It puts uh, a certain uh, ability in us to overcome that the world doesn't have. And this is the thing that we need to be showing the world. But so often what happens is just the opposite. But the reason is, is because we haven't given ourselves to denying ourselves. See, when, when you don't deny yourself, if a baby got what a baby want, they always have the things that they need. They never walk. How much better would it be? I look at babies being carried around, especially when it's laborious to be walking or something like that, and I think, man, I wish somebody would do that with me. <clears throat> you know, I, I wish somebody would wheel me around. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> but we know ultimately that's not healthy and that's not good. What's healthy is to go through the process of being able to, to walk and to continue to walk and stuff like that. Amen? Praise God. Uh, <clears throat> and so 
Repentant life is recognizing that, that your way uh, is not always the best way, the things that you think or the things that you know. And, and this is something that we should not lose as Christians. It's something that we should never lose as Christians. We should always keep it before us. It's not that you repented once. It's that we live a repentant life. You know, uh, repenting one time doesn't mean anything. In fact, there's so much in the Bible that talks about not just coming to the Lord, but if you continue on with the Lord. If you continue, and there's one scripture I'm thinking off the top of my head, I can't remember what it was, but I just remember those words. It says, if you continue, if you continue, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's not the one, uh, but there was, it was some, it was talking about continuing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm like, which one was it? <laughs> it wasn't the one I just read, was it? <clears throat> I literally thought that for a second, by the way. I was, but, uh, uh, but continuing, you know, continuing on with God, continuing in faith, continuing uh, pressing forward into the things. You know, I think there's one in Hebrews that talks about, um, you, you, you know, maybe around, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm not even going to try to get there, but <clears throat> praise God. And so uh, re living a repentant life is so utterly important. But we have to understand that this is something that we do daily. We have to get that into us. It's something that we live. You know, even, even like when I, 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 I sensed this, right? When, when I said, uh, I believe the Lord was leading us to pray. And I sensed that there was people because, uh, not just because, I sensed it because there was people in here that put on the brakes instantly. But I uh, would have been one of those people that put on the brakes instantly. Yeah. That's exactly what I would have done. In fact, I did that. Uh, this, this year I went to a conference in, in California. And one of the first nights he said, I want everybody to pray over every, somebody else. Find somebody else in there pray. And guess what I didn't do? I didn't pray over anyone. I did, I did just what some of you didn't do, right? Like that's, that's, that's what I did because I, I was hesitant. You're a pastor. doesn't matter. I still have a personality. And my personality is to just go up to strangers and start praying over them. But that's the kind of thing that we have to break out of. That's the kind of thing that we have to step out of. You know, uh, I would like to think today that I would, but in that moment I was uncomfortable I didn't. But the point, the point is, is, is we, as we deny ourselves in those things, like that, that was an exercise in denying ourselves. We didn't even know it. Yeah. It really is. Because when, you, when you, you humble yourself, when you go to somebody else, because first of all, you, you're putting yourself in a, in, a, in a vulnerable position to go pray for someone. Um, <clears throat> what, if they, what if they pray better than me? And they think I'm a fool. Have you ever thought that? Sure. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to do something like that. And that's exactly what I was thinking in that conference. Well, who am I to pray over another pastor or something like that? Like, they're probably much more spiritual than I am. They're probably well more articulate than I am. Wow. Yeah, th these are things that we deal with as people, right? Sure. Praise the Lord. I prayed over Denny. I went back there. I felt like he was the one I, need, uh, I needed to pray for, right? And as I went back there to him, I was going, I don't know what I was going to say. I was thinking that as I walked back there, just 15 feet, 20 feet, whatever. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what I was going to say, what I was going to pray. And a little bit hesitant inside, you know what I mean? But uh, I don't think Denny would ever have an issue with uh, like coming to me and asking me for prayer. 
Like if he felt that, you know, he wanted me to pray for something, I don't think Denny would ever have, I mean, he receives me as his pastor. And so I, I, I think that, that he would never have an issue with that. And, uh, uh, and if, you, if you would have an issue, just don't tell anyone, Denny. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, but, you know, I, I don't think he would. And so, he would, so there's no reason for me to feel that way. But you understand that, that that's part of it. It's like learning to deny ourselves in those little things. And, 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 the, and when we do it in the little things, we get better at doing the bigger things. It's okay to deny yourself something that you want for the sake of doing something better. You know, an uncomfortable situation. This is why I do funerals and weddings still. They're uncomfortable to me. They always are. But I still do them when I'm asked. Actually, when somebody close to me dies or somebody within my realm of influence dies or within my realm of, of reach dies, um, my first thought is, after, like, you know, obviously I'm not cruel. I mean, I, I don't feel happy when people die. But my first thought after all that is, I hope they don't ask me to do the funeral. It's just, I, I'm just being honest with you. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, please. I mean, I'm also honored. And on the other end, if they didn't ask me and it was someone close to me, I would end up feeling like, why didn't they ask me to do the funeral? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so let's, let's like follow this thing all the way through. So, you know, like I obviously want to be there for people. But the point that I'm trying to make is in the moment, the first thing I think is the same thing everybody else thinks. But what's, what, what keeps us going is denying ourselves. Yeah. It's not about how I feel about it right now. I, you know, like doing right, I, it's not about that I want to do right, it's about that I have to do right. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I don't want to feed my kids, but I do. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, because they get expensive, and especially when they start eating a lot and, and stuff like that. And they always want something special, and they only eat a third of it, or if that, you know what I mean? Um, until they get big, like the boys, when they got big, they just start, they start eating everything and, and consuming more of it, right? Praise the Lord. Glory to God, but, uh, but denying ourselves, it's, it's, it's something important for us to, to learn. And this is, this is in repentance, really the heart of repentance is that. It's denying uh, your way or your will, and it's embracing another. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, we're going to turn to Matthew, uh, Matthew 3. Lately, I have been really drawn more to, or to spend a lot more time. I think I've told you this, but I'm telling you again, to spend a lot of time in the Gospels. And... Um, and that's because everything we get out past the Gospels, which is all good stuff, you know, and there'll be seasons where you do different things, all good stuff in the epistles, but all of that stuff flowed out of the Gospels, right? The Gospels, what happened in the Gospels was the source for everything that came in the epistles and the letters to the churches, if you want to hear it that way, amen? Praise the Lord. And um, so we're going to turn to Matthew 3. And we're, we're, we're gonna, this is, you know, in talking about John the Baptist here, and this is something that, you know, I want you to think about, you know, when, when John the Baptist was here, you know, he came as a forerunner of Christ, right? His first coming, right? Um, but John the Baptist really represented the old covenant. Yeah. That's what he kind of represented when he was here. And Jesus coming in, of course, represented the new covenant. Amen? So we have the old and then the new. And we know in the life of John the Baptist that, you know, he's, he's the one that famously said, you know, I must, he must increase and I must decrease. And, and, and that was the same idea. The old must decrease, the new must increase. And when we say old and new, I'm not talking about every new thing or whatever. I'm talking about the covenants. 
that what God was doing on the earth. And, and the old covenant was leading up to the new covenant. So it wasn't like God did it and said, oh, I must have made a mistake. I better get a new one. That's not what he did. It, it was he, 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 he designed the old to bring us to a point. Yeah. And then he designed the new to take us from that point further. Yeah, right. Amen. Praise God. And so if we remember that, that John represented the old covenant, Jesus represents the new covenant. It, w- it actually will help us in a lot of things. Okay. Uh, but uh, now reading here in verse one, chapter three, verse one, it says, Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Praise the Lord. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now, of course, it's not talking about like Jesus needed his paths made straight because he was tempted to be crooked. You know, it wasn't that at all. It was mean, meaning clear the way. And, um, and, and even here, uh, 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 repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, mean that the kingdom of heaven is coming present. It's coming. It's happening now. This is, you know, the, the representation of that is here. Praise the Lord. And so we understand that, and that was in the embodied, that was embodied in Jesus. The kingdom of heaven was embodied in the presence of Jesus on the earth. Right? Follow along, praise the Lord. But then if we skip down to verse 8, he says here, Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And this is kind of continuing the thought that was talked about back here when he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand change your mind change it's time for change but he says bear fruit in keeping with repentance in other words we're going to bear fruit that is uh worthy of our repent that's worthy of repentance or worthy of what we are repenting from we want to bear fruit that looks like that right praise the lord now, I was reading in a, <clears throat> some uh, a few commentaries here, and so I'm going to share some of that with you today. John's preaching, this is from the Bible Exposition Commentary, John's preaching centered on repentance and the kingdom of heaven. Praise the Lord. The word repent means to change one's mind and to act on that change. It's not just to change your mind. Okay, I see differently. But it's to act on that change. This is so important, and this is what he was saying when he said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He's saying, act on that change that you've, you've had. John was not satisfied with regret or remorse. He wanted fruits meet for repentance. There had to be evidence of a changed mind and a changed life. There had to be. And this is what he was saying. You know, he was doing this in the midst of the religious leaders, and he was telling them the same thing he was telling everybody else. He wasn't holding back. He was going to the religious leaders, the ones who were supposed to know, the ones who were supposed to get it, who, have, were, who should have gotten it. He went to them and he said, you need to repent as well. In fact, he was some of the, they were some of the ones that he was the, 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 the harshest on. Praise the Lord. And so I wrote down a few things that came to me. Would others know... Who your God is by the life that you live. Would others have any idea who your God is by the life that you live? When you think about your life and what you do and the, what you do day in and day out, and I'm not just talking about the things you say or tell people, but by the life that you live. Would others know 
that you are in love with the Lord? Would others be able to see that? This is what repentance is. Repentance is turning to God and recognizing your sin and saying, oh, I'm, I, 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 I'm utterly worthless without you. Do others see or do others see just a, just a saved version of the old you? Do you know what I mean by that? A version that now is protected from hell, but you're still acting like you were, always did. You still speak the way you always spoke. You, you, you still have the same attitude problems you always had. You, you, you know, you still, you, know, you were unfaithful then to God. I'm not talking about to man or church. I'm talking about to God. Because it, it, like all, everything we do will flow out of our relationship with God. Everything we do. How we, how we treat our, our, our friends, our family, how we treat our spouses, our kids, how we treat our parents, how we treat uh, the others in the church, how we look at the local church, how we look at the world. All these things are going to flow out of our relationship with God. And that's the first and foremost place. If our relationship with God, if we haven't turned towards him really and truly, if we're not, if we're not in that place of truth, and that's what repentance is. Repentance is recognizing that the world that we lived in was, was flawed and was, it was problematic. The, the things that we embraced, the way that we, the way that we did things, we need to know to change. Now listen, you know, I understand when, when, when we first learn about change, it's not always easy. Josh and I were having a conversation about some, some leadership stuff. You know, we were talking about like, like helping people, you know, you know and, and he even said to me, he's like, well, they, they, they didn't know because they didn't know, I think, or basically something like that. Is that am I right? Not, not mis- or did I say that? You said that, right? You said that, yeah. Uh, and so uh, I'm just making sure that I, because I, I don't want you to sit there and feel like you have to lie for me either. You know what I mean? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, but it was like, he didn't, they didn't know. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. And so they have to be told. And sometimes we just have to be told because we don't know that we're wrong. We don't know that we, but repentance is looking at the fact that we were wrong or that it's been presented to us and saying, oh, I can see that. I can see that according to this. And the only way that we can do that is by denying ourselves and saying, well, see, because what happens is a lot of people, if they get corrected, they instantly get offended. What is that? That's, that's, that's immaturity. That, that, that's a lack of being able to, to, to look at things a new way. That's saying, I will only look at things my way. I won't see things someone else's way. And that's, that's so much a problem, even not just in church people and people that sit in the seats, but in church leadership too. Yeah. That there's, there, there's just not this willingness to look and to see and to perceive right. and to grow. Would others look at us and know who our God is by the life that we live? Now I'm going to share something with you. It's pretty personal. But I think that it'll help you, and that's why I'm sharing it. I find that every temptation in my life to sin, every temptation that I have, seems to focus around one thing. It's a focus around losing my testimony with others. Every, every temptation that ever comes against me, everything that, that, that gets in me and makes me want to sin, what's it, what, what, what's the, if I follow that through to the end, what's it look like? It looks like causing others to see that the whole thing is a joke. That God hasn't really done anything in my life. That God hasn't really changed me. Every temptation. I, I mean, I can't think of one thing that I've struggled with in the, in, in the years that I've been a, a, a Bible-believing, following, God-following Christian, right? Yeah. I can't think of one temptation that I've had that didn't end in ruining my testimony before other people. That's what it is every time. Yeah. 
Why do you think that is? It's because, and I'm not saying even the things that we follow through with, I'm just talking about the temptation, brothers and sisters. We sit here, we, we get tempted, we feel a temptation to, to act or to do something. If we, if we would look at it honestly, I believe that we would all find the same thing. It all is about losing our testimony about the Lord. Yeah. Making us somehow look foolish. Right? Yeah. See, this knowledge will make you reconsider when you sin, yeah. when you're tempted to sin. Why do I fight the battle? There's times I fight a battle in not sinning, in this thing or that thing, whatever it is. And it doesn't matter because we all sin in some way or another, right? Is there some area that we sin in in life? Maybe some areas that we're tempted more in than others or more in than anyone that we know, but we know that we're tempted, right? And that battle is trying to do the same thing. It's trying to prove that God to the world. Yeah. Satan doesn't care what you think. Right. You understand the devil does not care what you think. He doesn't care that you know he's evil. Right. He does not care about that. He just wants to ruin your, your testimony as you go out and try to talk about it. In fact, one of the things that I found in life is that every mistake I've made, especially every major mistake, seems to try to rear its head at some point in the accusation that you haven't changed or you did this. This is the way you were. That's how it always comes at me. It's never, you, you know, in the world, it's like, oh, anybody can sin. They can do the most horrific things in the world. Let's, let, let's just forgive them. Let's just let them go. But when as a Christian, it's like, oh, look at what a hypocrite you are. But see, what I've learned is that I want to try to, uh, to avoid that as much as possible. I've seen things that I didn't even know that I was off in for, for sometimes for years. And I saw that their, how their effect could come through and, and be that to those I've been witnessing to for years. Because, you know, there's people in our lives, right, that we witness to over the course of years, right? That, that maybe, you know, like you, week in and week out, and you're showing, and sure enough, there'll be one mistake. And what I found the best course of action to take is when you're aware of that, especially when you're aware of that before them, is to go to people like that and ask for their forgiveness. Yeah. I was wrong. I missed it in this area. Yeah. I did this too much. That's why even as a pastor, I try to do that because, because the one thing I realize is that I, I can't be perfect. I'm not going to be. Right. Ten years from now, we're going to look back now and say, hey, he did a lot of things, this, that, or whatever, that wasn't, wasn't perfect or wasn't right or whatever. Hopefully not a lot of things, but maybe some things, you know. Um, but uh, my, my hope is that through, through it all, as I learn that, I repent. Because rep living a repentant lifestyle should be the, the earmark of our lives. Repentant before other people is just that same thing. And, the, and again, the lifestyle isn't just repentance before God, but it's going, going before people and say, hey, listen, I, I, I wronged you or I wronged this or this was wrong thinking. Yeah. Praise the Lord. There's this example in my life and I haven't learned I haven't even known and I haven't even known because sometimes you have to think are they are they or is, is it beneficial and so I'll, I'll tell you how I prayed if you'll remind me to to alleviate this but when I was in I must have been in when I was in ring school love before middle school what would that so I would have been in sixth grade I was in elementary I was probably in third or fourth grade um, there is this one this one young girl that I remember um, that was, I went to school with for a short time. But out of embarrassment for myself, I was mean to her. 
And do you know, to this day, that still haunts me. And I, I, this is what I prayed to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, and especially now being a Christian, I'm like, Lord, if I can make that right, if I can go back, if I can make that right somehow to her, to her even today, present me with that opportunity. I mean, if the Lord gave me the direction to go, but you have to be careful sometimes, you know, like, you know, some, uh, hey, you remember when we were in school 40 years ago? <laughs> and uh, she might not even remember, I don't know. But the point that I'm trying to make is, is that, you know, the heart of repentance is I can't, I can't stay knowingly stay right, wrong. Yeah. If I know, you know, and, and it is, the reason is, is because how does that affect our testimony? Again, when I think about uh, that, 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 that young girl or whatever, I don't know what kind of life she lives, but, but uh, man, if she wasn't saved, I'd sure want to be able to lead her to the Lord. But it's awfully hard to do that when you're, uh, when you're an unrepentant jerk. You know what I mean? Like, that's really what happens, praise the Lord. Living a life of repentance. So much so that even I've learned that even if I think that I've wronged somebody or somebody else feels that I've wronged them, I try to make it, I want to try to make it right. Because I don't want to have that before anyone. I never want somebody to say before me. Um, and, and man, I could give you examples. And this isn't me talking about how awesome I am because I'm not. Just the very fact that I have so much to repent for is proof that I'm not awesome. Amen. Uh, but it is proof that God has done something in me because I can't look at that life the same way. And that's what, that's, that's what we have to understand as believers. And what, what do we have to say? Well, how do we, as believers, how do we, how, what do we do with that? What if we don't feel repentant? We have to first recognize, Lord, I'm, I could be wrong. Yeah. If I'm wrong, you need to help me see where I'm wrong. If I'm missing it in some area, you know, there's been things in the, even in recent times where I've been pretty sure that I, I've been right. I mean, I can back it up with scripture and everything. And for the most part, I was. But I, I've gone before the Lord still and I'm like, Lord, if I'm wrong in this, you got to show me because I can't see it. Yeah. And you know what God has been so gracious to do? Every once in a while, like in one of these things, he'll show me, oh, you were right in all this stuff. But this one little thing you were wrong in. And see, this isn't being nitpicky. This is about, this is about being um, course correction, yeah. It, it's, I'm not talking about nitpicking everything, like sitting there going, oh, everything in my life must be wrong, or I must be, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. But, but if, if, especially when you're dealing with stuff that are touchy subjects or touchy issues, Lord, show me how I'm wrong. Praise the Lord. See, this knowledge will make you reconsider what sin uh, and what John the Baptist was doing is he was pointing towards this repentance. This, the, he was pointing towards Jesus. He represented the old but transitioning into the new. Amen? Praise God. Turn with me. Okay, you're Matthew 3. Go, let's go to Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33. This is another very important thing for us to understand here. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. 
Now, you know, a lot of times I, I've, I've, you know, with the, the age of the internet and you, you realize I say that and probably a lot of the young people go, what are you talking about the age of the internet? This is what is, right? But you see, when I was growing up, we didn't have the internet. Even though when I was into an adulthood, I didn't have the internet. That became a thing that we got to have, but, but it wasn't something that I always had. And so it was something that, that we, we learned about, you know, and so on and so forth. But I remember back in the day when email was first thing, who remembers emails first coming about? What a cool concept, right? You can send a letter over the phone instantly. I know, again, your kids are looking at me like, what is this guy even talking about? But you understand that when I was, like the only way to send a letter was to put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, get a correct address, drop it in a mailbox, and a few days or weeks later, it might reach the person you were sending it to. It wasn't an instant thing. You know, now I look at if it's not an instant, if the email doesn't come across instantly, we're like, okay, we gotta figure out what's wrong, right? <laughs> <clears throat> That's just how much it's changed. But see, so in, the, in, in that, uh, we, we would get those mass emails that would say, and they still kind of float around in some form or another, that would say this. You know, it would say some kind of weird thing about God or some kind of thing about God. And it said, send this to 10 people. And if you don't, and then they would quote these scriptures. Yeah. Remember this. And of course, okay, I better send it. I think I sent three. So there's 30 people that probably received them from me at some point. And then I caught on to something. I'm like, wait a minute here. Is God really going to care if I don't send this email? You know? And of course, I think I talked about that recently in a faith fix too or something similar. But, but that's not what it's talking about. When it's talking about confess, again, I want to read in the Bible Exposition Commentary. Uh, it says to confess him means much more than a, to make a statement with the lips. It also means to back up that statement with the life. It is one thing to say Jesus Christ is Lord. It is quite another thing to surrender to him and obey his will. To walk the, or the walk and the talk must go together. Denying Jesus before man, Peter did that. Did Peter get denied before the Father? No, why? Because he repented. He changed. He recognized it. You, there, there are Christians that have been put under such horrible, uh, torturous uh, acts that maybe have denied the Lord. They say, deny the Lord in front of everybody and we'll make it easier or your death easier on you or something like that. You know, this kind of stuff happens in the world. And certainly people like that have probably at times have done that. God isn't looking at a person like that and saying, well, I'm going to deny you. Because you got to this point because you followed me. You followed me up until the point of death. And now because you didn't want it to be more painful or you couldn't take it anymore, now I'm going to deny you. That's not the way a, a loving father works. It, it's, it, this is talking about a lifestyle. Jesus wasn't dealing with one, one-off actions. He's not talking about the one. If he did, then he, his, his, his blood could have never covered you because you didn't just have one sin and you, wouldn't gonna, you weren't going to stop sinning either. So the idea is, is that his blood would cover us continually, and that, but it, it comes out of a lifestyle. What is the life that we live? Do we live a life where we repent? That we live a life of repentance where we recognize the need for repentance? Or do we live a life where we're... And again, I'm not talking about tearing apart every little thing you do. Because there's those people that do that too. They just look at everything they do and, oh, I'm one of, one of those people that do this. I'm like, oh, it must be my fault. I'm sick. I must have sinned somewhere. You know, I had this bad thing happen. Where did I miss God? 
And the Lord has been teaching me over, over a course of time that that's not the way that it works. God isn't looking at us. He isn't looking at us to smite us at every turn, trying to destroy us every time or trying to make things harder for us. The problems, the things that we face in life, the, 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 the sins and the, uh, the things we, we, we face because of other people's sins, those aren't because God is mad. Those are because we live in a world that's fallen. It's the fallen nature of the world that makes bad things happen. God has promised us, if we'll live for him, that he will come alongside of us and see us through that. Amen? Because the only way for God to correct it all is to destroy it all. He's got to destroy the things that cause sin, which is our bodies. And God isn't willing to do that yet. And that's why we face some of the things we face. Why? Well, you just think about the last time you sinned. When you think about somebody who hurt you or somebody who has come against you or, or somebody who has, has done some, some horrible things. I mean, we've seen horrible things happen, right? You see them on the news all the time. I mean, there's one right after another. Somebody getting killed here or somebody stabbing here or somebody doing this, somebody thieving here or whatever it is. It's oh, one right after another. You th just think about this when you think, well, why would God let that happen? Well, why did God let you go? when you made a mistake and not destroy you. See, because somebody who's hell-bent on sinning is going to do it. Yeah. We all know that, don't we? Yes. We all know that if, if it's in us to do it, we're going to follow it through and do it. Whether it's good or bad, whatever we have made up our minds to do, we are going to do that, right? And so when you hear of somebody who does something awful, like a serial killer or something like that, they've made up in their hearts that they're going to do that. In order for God to stop that and be righteous, he has to stop it for everyone, including you, including me. How many times have I sinned where I'm like, Lord, I'm so thankful that you've forgiven me. I'm so thankful that you give me another shot because I could never stand in this pulpit if, I was account, if, if he held account to me one of the bad things I've done. I would never have right to stand here and preach to anybody. I would never have right to go to somebody and tell them about what the Lord has done in my life. See, God is waiting. He's patient and he watches these things. Does it hurt God when millions of babies are being destroyed every year? Of course it does. Of course it does. And don't think that God will stay asleep forever watching that. He's not sleeping at all. But he's giving people space and, space and time to repent. Because what God is thinking of more is not this fallen world, but a continuing world that lasts forever. One that was without spot, without blemish. One that, that, where there'll be no more sin, where there'll be no more trial. That's what his eyes are on. And he sees getting us to that point. Because there's people that in the depths of the worst things that they do is where they find God. I can't tell you how many times it was in the depths, my lowest place. I had been taught about God. I had known things about God. I had been brought to a, a church. I, I, I should have done better with my life, but somehow I still got off. Somehow I still got so far separated from the Lord, and I found myself. In fact, I just drove by one of the houses recently. It's now condemned. No one's allowed to live in it, and soon they'll probably tear it down. So I took a picture of it as a reminder. It was the place where I've told you the story, and I know I've told it in here many times, so if you've heard the story that I've hugged toilets that I wouldn't even use, today that was the house it was in the place where you go in and, and I drove by and it was and it was and it was even worse than it was then 
And it was in, it was in times like that where God's spirit called to me. It was in places like that where God found me. Sometimes we have to go to those depths before God can get to us, before we'll listen to him. Praise the Lord. And that's what God is after. When he's talking about denying, uh, denying him before men, how do we live our lives if we don't live repentant? I live every single day with the realization that I am not enough. But God is. And because I'm not and he is, I have to repent and change to his way, not the other way around. God is not looking to, to, to validate my walk. He's looking for me to line my walk up with his validation. Amen? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> We're going to um, close here. Matthew 7, verse 20. Again, living Christianity 101, basic parts of Christianity is learning to live a repentant life. You know, again, repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry. Like, like, we don't need a bunch of people to, to, to uh, we don't need a bunch of people to come up to, I don't need a bunch of people. If everyone in here wronged me, I don't need everybody to come up here and say, hey, I'm sorry for being wrong. I don't even want that. To tell you the truth, I don't even like that. You know why I don't like that? This is me personally. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> if you've wronged me and you've recognized it, repent before the Lord and just stop doing it. Because if you do that, it, like, it makes it, it takes it, the uncomfortable moment away from me and you. Yeah. I'm giving you that freedom with me. Yeah. And brothers and sisters, if you want to be right before people, just do it with them too. Just, just give people a free pay. Say, listen, you just, just repent, just change. Repent before the Lord if you need to. Like, if you wrong me, it's between you and me, it's gone. I, it doesn't even matter anymore. Amen? I'm just telling you that that is the most peaceful way to live. You live holding on to something or waiting for, they better say they're sorry. I don't want someone to say I'm sorry to me. Praise God. But that doesn't mean I want you to keep doing what you're doing either. You know what I mean? Like if, you, if, you're, if you're attacking me or whatever, you know, praise the Lord. I, I did that once as a, 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 a young believer. I was in the church and uh, I went up to this minister who, had, who, who, I don't know why, but he just annoyed me with everything. And I went up to him one day and I said, ah, man, I, I got to apologize. I got to repent before you. He's like, why? I was like, well, because, because I just hated you. <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, why? Did, did, did I do something? You know, and then it got real awkward. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's me. It's not you. <laughs> you. You know what I mean? And, 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 and then it just sounds weird. And, and, and it just made a, I, I would have been done, done much better to just start treating him good. You know what I mean? Just start blessing them. Go up and pray over them. You know, give them a five spot or something. I don't know. Do something. I would have been, my, buy lunch or whatever. Like, just be nice. You know, just like change it. That's what we need to do sometimes. Praise the Lord. Matthew seven twenty. <clears throat> so then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who pra practice lawlessness. 
you know, many people have brought this scripture to me and they're like, this, this makes me nervous. These scriptures, these, these make me nervous. Well, what if, you know, we do this. What if, have you practiced lawlessness? See, God still blesses people with the ability to do things. That doesn't mean, but are you, are you endeavoring to live a repentant life? That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for someone who's perfect, someone who has great ability to speak or to give miracles or to do anything. God is not surprised by people's abilities when he sees them because he gave it to them. Like I've learned, I can't heal one person by myself. But as I follow him, he can lead me to pray and people will be healed. Right? At times. But my, the point that I'm trying to make is it's, that stuff doesn't impress him. Did we practice lawlessness? Lawlessness is against what God uh, says is right and wrong to, 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 sh to shy away from that. You know, when God says that the most important thing is love walk, well, there's people that are out there ministering things because it makes them look good. They can get big followings and they can get lots of money and nicer houses, nicer cars. They can do all these things. And see, I just don't see that in Scripture. I'm not saying that people can't have nice things, but I don't see the pursuit of all those nice things in Scripture. Somebody who's pursuing those things is following the way of lawlessness. Praise the Lord. I, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what we build. And so as we, as, as we walk this life out, God calls us to be people that are repentant. Live a life of repentance. Look for where you need to change when you need to change. Look for it every day. You can make your day so much better. The day started off bad. I don't know why the day started off bad. Maybe it just started off bad because it started off bad. Look for a way for it to change. Way to change it. Amen? Way for you to be more. And sometimes it's not going to be easy going. Sometimes, you know, serving God, people are like, oh, it's so easy to serve God when it's easy. But when it's hard, that's when it's not, right? That's, that, that, and that's the whole point. But that's the point when people give up. They stop serving God when it's become hard. Instead of allowing God to just do what God's going to do, work you through it. Yeah. Bring you through to the other side. Of course it's hard right now. All the more reason to push in. Actually, the Lord was dealing with me early this morning on this stuff. He was uh, like, like, like sharing some things with me. And one of those things was, wait, uh, maybe I better just re look to read it as I close here. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hmm. Let's see, I'll just start here. Don't let doubt rule you. You will doubt, no doubt, but don't let doubt have you. I am with you, and if you still seek me, you will always find me. Don't be timid, referring to 2 Timothy 1.7. If I wanted you to just follow the same direction as everyone else, I would have set it up that way. Grope for me, handle me, and I will reveal myself to you again and again. And you find your joy in the hunt. You don't have, you get to see me work. They won't give, you get to see my grace. There's joy to be found in searching for me. So find it. Find the joy of finding me. It's what you get to do. That's what the Lord shared with me this morning. He's speaking to me. But, I mean, it can apply to any of us. The joy of finding him. It's what I get to do. 
When it gets tough, well, okay, I better start looking for my father because he's the one that helps. Right? So it's getting tough right now. That's okay. I get to find God. It's like we were watching a person on a beach with, a, uh, with a, uh, uh, the, the metal detector, right? And, and they, were, they, they, were, uh, they were scooping up and uh, finding, what was it, finding rings. It was a video we were watching. And they were finding these rings, and they, they, they found, what, 40 rings this year or something like that? But you know how, many, how much beach they cover before they find a hit? Yeah. It's in the hunt, but if something keeps them going. We know about all this stuff. Right? There's, there's puzzles and things that we do. My, my daughter handed me a necklace this week that was all, looked, looked like 14 people tied it in 20 different knots, right? And I, I mean, well, what am I supposed to do with this thing? And she gives it to me. And now, because she's given it to me in hopes that I would get it untangled, I got to do it. You know, it's just in me. That's what dad does. And so we sat there and I sat there. My wife's watching over and it's time to go. And I'm like, well, I got to get this. And, and I worked and I get a little thing. You know, and finally I got it, right? But it was like an hour. Is that how long it took me? Yeah. It was pretty tangled. And, and, and when I finally got it, it was like I laid it out. You know what I mean? It was like a prize. Praise the Lord. We fit puzzles and things. We do all these things in life that we, that we do for enjoyment. Sudoku or whatever, you know, word searches and all kinds of different things that people do. They're on the hunt. People go on the hunt. They sit in the woods and look for something to cross their path so they can shoot it. They spend more hours looking than they do ever getting, right? But people do it. Let's do the same thing with God. Praise the Lord. 